I'm Rick Steves. This is Travel with Rick Steves. Now it's time for Belgium. I've got with me a good friend who I've known for, I think, 15 years. Wonderful tour guide now. He's graduated from a bus driver to a tour guide, and uh, he is my man in Belgium. And we've got Ferdinando Mengi. Ferdi, thanks for joining us. Hi, Rick. You know, Ferdi, when you think of the family of nations in Europe, the Belgians are kind of like the, uh, the practical joker in the, fa- in, the, in the class or something. I mean, is there, what is it about the Belgians? You're, you don't threaten anybody. Uh, you're always ready for a laugh. Explain to me how the Belgians might be distinct from other Europeans, in the eyes of other Europeans, maybe. Well, specifically in the eyes of um, the Dutch people, for example. You know, you have the jokes like the Americans and the Canadians, and we have that, the, the, this thing with the, with the Dutch people. And uh, the Belgians are more the, the laid back. Uh, we, the Dutch calls us the peasants, but we are really beloved in Europe. For us, our hospitality, our uh, openness, and specifically if Americans come over. You know, I know I lived there all my life, and when Americans come, I have a friend who has a restaurant or a taverna, and they all flock around as American. They all want to speak this English, and they're all interested, and they all they just love it. Yeah, they, this is a Belgian. They just they just open. They love to eat. They love to drink. They they very. So Belgians are famous for inventing the saxophone. That's a good time instrument. Uh, Comic books, I think. Comic books, yeah. What is that business? People think of uh, Belgium for comics. Well, the comic book is like uh, Hervé's, one of the writers, uh, Tantan, like many people know, even made a movie of Tantan. There was... uh, Tantan? Tantan, yeah. The the, the guy with the little funny hairdo and the little uh, (laughs) fox uh, dog. And that's most of Europe would recognize this. All of the world. I mean, they even sold it in Japan. I mean, can you imagine a small country like Belgium has something so known in the world. It's just amazing. And you've, of course, got, uh, I think, some of the best beer in Europe. Oh, for sure. We have like uh, 500 different kinds of beers. You go, to a, you go to a fine wine shop in a little community in Paris, a, a, mm. a wealthy uh, mm-hmm. neighborhood in Paris. They got their wine and they got a little beer. Yeah. And all the wine, of course, is French. Mm-hmm, of course. And yeah. the beer is all Belgian. Yeah. It's so, known. So these high-class Parisians yeah. know that, yeah. man, you go for... Oh, yeah. Wine. And everybody, even the Germans, the Danish, who are big beer drinkers, I mean, but it's more for them, I think, quantity than quality. They know they really respect the Belgian beers. I know when I travel in those countries, the first thing they say, you brought some beer. Yeah. <laughs> they, well, they really like it. I mean, that's what my Belgian friends <laughs> yes. bring me when they come yes. to our reunion yes. here yes. in Seattle. Uh, let's say I'm a, I'm just a tourist. I'm going to Europe. Belgium kind of falls through the cracks. It, you know, it's, yeah. it's a little country. It's not big enough for a, a lot of people to even find on the map sometimes. Mm-hmm. Um, give me a quick tour of, of uh, Belgium from a sightseeing point of view. What would the highlights be? Where do people The go? highlights is such an underestimated uh, country. It's got so much to offer. Like I said, I lived there all my life, and I still discover some things like, wow, I didn't even know they were here. And you it's know, tiny. Tiny. I mean, how many kilometers? How, how long on the well, train I across the country? I think if you go from the north, from the North Sea, and you go all the way to the south, let's say Arlon, which is a, right. a city in the south, it takes about three hours, three and a half max. Okay. And you're there. By driving. By driving. So you can drive anywhere in the country. Yeah. Brussels would say in the middle. You middle. could drive anywhere within an hour and a half. In an hour almost. and a half. And okay. you're pretty much on the outskirts of the country of Belgium. Okay. And it's got everything to offer. It's got the North Sea. It's got the medieval towns. It's got the Golden Age, which actually ended after the Inquisition of the Spaniards, and it's in, in, in Amsterdam. But you got the same architecture, Antwerp, Bruges, Ghent, beautiful cities. you got Brussels, the capital, now actually the capital of the Union. Uh, and the south, it's like time stood still there. You have the Wallon part with all the monasteries, the beer brewing, the cheese-making monks, and so forth. It just is a, a, a country that has a, a lot to offer. Now, you said Walloon. And, the Walloon's uh, the now, French uh, part. So yeah. the, Belgium, small as it is, still the north half is Flemish-speaking. Yes. And that's uh, like the Dutch. Yeah. And the south half is French-speaking. 
speaking. It's French speaking. So is there more than a linguistic gap there? How does how does the personality well, change? It, it's an eternal that has been going on for such a long time. And at the, in the beginning, when I was 18, you know, way younger, uh, we had this conflict between the Walloons and the Flemish. But we're getting along so well that lately it, it's, it's not an issue anymore. Political, I mean, I mean it went bad. I mean, we had governments falling over the language problem. Is that right? What, what, what language dominates? Dominates Flanders now, the Flemish. Is that right? The yeah, Flemish because we have a better infrastructure. We have the bigger industry. And like you said, Wallonia or whatever the, mm-hmm. what's it called where the Walloons live? Wallonia. Wallonia. Yeah, you no. said that the sort Wallon. of time stands still. Yeah, almost. the infrastructure didn't move on too well because we have three governments. Yeah. We have the national government, a Flemish government, and a Walloon government. So, ah. And they're trying to work together. It's working way better than it used to be. So the Flemish dominate. And as in most countries, the northern half, is a, it seems to be a little more industrious oh, and hard-hitting. Industrious, hard-hitting. And the it's, south the half has better beer and knows how to relax. Better beer and more cheese and more relaxed. It's more the... More the, cheese, too. <laughs> better more cheese. cheese. To it, yes. Well, you're right on the border of France. Mm-hmm. Now, Brussels, the capital, the dominant city, mm-hmm. is... Uh, primarily French-speaking, though, isn't it? Well, actually, it used to be because, you know, all the noble, I said the blue-blooded people flocked to Brussels because this was the main hub. You know, Brussels existed in the year 900, 1000, so it's about over a 1,000 years old. Mm-hmm. But it was uh, uh, the French-speaking. The blue-blooded people spoke French, right? Okay. Now, because the Flemish have old industry, the more money ah. is in Flanders, and now Flemish is more spoken than French. Really? So the Flemish French. language was the, uh, the, 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 the peasant's peasants, language. The peasant language. And the, the aristocrats that ran the country French. happened to be French. They yes. would be educated. In yes. France, the, and France the funny thing is that all those uh, people, the Flemish part, who had a little bit better off, who were barons or dukes, spoke French with a Flemish flair to oh, it. That was kind of funny That's to fun. Hear. Well, that's the great was, thing about yeah, Europe is all yeah. these cultures mixed together. Yeah, it's yeah, just a, a, yeah, a demographic yeah, stew. Is. By the way, I'm talking with Ferdinando Mengi. He's a tour guide friend of mine from Belgium. And uh, we're talking about a little country that is one of Europe's great secrets, Belgium. Mm. If you go way back in history, Belgium and the Netherlands were the same country, weren't they? The were they one country well, ruled one by Spain or before what? Before 1830, it belonged to Holland, to the okay. House of Orange. Oh, the House of Orange, okay. Yeah. And then they rebelled. Well, at first, very before that was Burgundy, you know, the Dukedom of Burgundy. The, 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 the Dukes of Burgundy ruled that part, okay. which is now Belgium. Right. Then the Dutch took it back. And it was for a short period they rebelled to Belgium against the Dutch. And in 1830, we had our independence from Holland. And since then, it's, it's our independence. So 1830 was actually a very young country, yeah. only 170 years. And uh, we revolted and we had our king, which was actually, by the way, uh, a German. That was Leopold I. So, was that right? Yeah. So, it's, it's, so sometimes it's, a little independent country shops yeah. around for yeah. some um, top-end royal blood. And oh, yeah. They don't even need to be from their yeah, country. Yeah, this was Saxon, Coburg was the name. You just wanted yeah. some available yeah. royalty who could move in, yeah. occupy the palace and run yeah. your country. Yeah. Now, I was just in the royal palace last summer in Brussels, and there's a new museum there. Mm-hmm. And they've opened up a big wing of it. And to me, I can't recall going into a country where the people love their royal family so well, much. Still, There's incredible respect is. in Belgium. Tell us about the royal family in well, Belgium. Well, the royal family, I mean, when King Baudouin, you know, or Boudouin, like they say in French, died, I mean, it was enormous. I mean, he was, um, his, his body was, was um, put up for the people. There was a line for about three days uh, seeing him, you know, his dead body. It Just was amazing to remember him. Yeah. To, to remember him, and even the king we have, uh, we say this time uh, this is going to be our last king because it cost us too much. Because a king having a king costs a lot of money, right? You no, know? but anyway, it's still not, it's not because now they're looking for this, the next king. Is that right? We have this Albert, and now the son Philippe is probably going to be the king. 
So if you're giving advice to other royalty to stay in good with your people, how do the Belgian royalty do this? Why do you folks like your, your royal family so because much? Because it was a kingdom since day one, you know, since eighty mm-hmm. thirty. But how are, the, how are the royal family operating today? Are they just um, jet-setters? If I might speak my mind, I, I don't think we really need a king. It's just mm-hmm. we're one of the few kingdoms in the world. Well, we have England and Holland and uh, f- Spain and then— Well, they're constitutional monarchs. Constitutional so they're, monarchs, but— They're, they're figureheads, mostly. Uh, yeah, they're yeah. figureheads, and it's a pretty much the same thing in Belgium. We, they have no political influence, mm-hmm. but the king has been sent. Like uh, Prince Philip, for example, the son of the king, he does all those political kind of uh, uh, travel, and he represents the country of Belgium. It's more like you said, a figure. If, if you go back to World War II, mm-hmm. didn't the royalty of, of many of these European countries kind of keep the spirit alive during those oh, dark gosh, times? Yes. when they're the, very, very, uh, I say, royal— uh, feeling. I mean, I have nothing against the king, but right. we prefer sometimes, it's just a mixed thing, but the older generation love the king. They love the king. They will like to keep him. Speaking of World War II, are there, in our country, we have a lot of, when I was growing up, there was a lot of um, depression mentality, we called it, and everybody was remembering they grew up in the tough times of the depression and so on, mm-hmm. even 50 years later. Mm-hmm. Uh, 50 years later now, 60 years, I guess, is there still scars of from World War II in I, Brussels? Don't think so. So you're beyond that. Beyond that. That's uh, great. Uh, and I must say that my mom, God bless her, she's 80 years old, and uh, she's the last generation who actually witnessed the war. Right. So if I want to know something from the war, I talk to these people. I think in 10 years from now, I hope not, we all have to go by book. So, but right. the scars right now, no. And they, that, they all way behind that point. And uh, what about the attitude toward German people? Because uh, Germans gave you guys a tough time 60 years ago. Any you problems know, now? The funny thing about the Europeans, you know, we all have to say about something. Ah, oh, the Dutch this, and the French this, and the Belgians this, and the Germans. The Germans is a well-known fact, and I do, respect, I do apologize for all the German listeners. Um, it is a fact that the Germans think they're a little bit higher than us. They They still have that kind of... And they're doing well. It's a great country. Don't forget that they have sure. an automobile. They have old inventions came basically from yeah. Germany. Well, you got yeah. Yeah, but but they still have that. And the Germans, if you know, if they come over, you know, oh, they're Germans. We know. So it's there like is we, this sort of a yeah, little yeah. little brother kind of thing, oh, big yeah, brother. Yeah. But we're getting along pretty well in Europe. But you can, you can uh, like a little brother, you can bug your big brother and oh, do it in fun. Of course, we can. All right. We can. A lot of people call Brussels the little sister of Paris in, in different ways. How mm-hmm. would you compare Brussels to Paris? Brussels to Paris, I think, you know, we are gourmet People, mm-hmm. gourmet eaters. We love our food. Don't forget that Belgium is one of the top five cuisines in the world right now. I've, I've heard people say you eat as well as the French and as hearty as the Germans. Exactly. So it's That's none correct. of this nouveau cuisine. No, no, no. Quality cuisine, but good hearty portions. And the relationship goes to the cuisine. Tell it's, me more. It's, it's this Brussels, uh, Paris thing, and the Parisians, I mean, as chauvinistic that French are, and, and I can't say that as a Belgian, yeah. uh, they, they respect the Belgian cuisine, and they know that there are excellent restaurants and, and the two, three-star Michelin restaurants, which is something for the French, you know, that they love their cuisine. You know, right. That, that right. They think they're the top and, and the, for reasons. But that's the little Paris of, uh, of, of So you, you look at your relationship to Paris as sort of uh, in a culinary, culinary gastronomy. Yeah. Thing. I want to stay away from touristic cliches. But uh-huh. We won't talk about Brussels sprouts uh-huh. or Belgian waffles. Uh-huh. Okay, okay. But I want to talk about French fries because mm-hmm. I love French fries. Mm-hmm. And to me, the best fries are in Belgium. It is. You know but, that fries are an invention. And but the Belgian came up with the fries. You know the potatoes are important by the Spaniards. Right. French fries has nothing to do with French. It's the cut. Ah. The way you cut a potato is the French way. That's a French cut. I didn't it's know that. It's got nothing to do with France. Okay. But the Belgians came up with uh, frying this in oil. Cutting the potato in a French way. In a way. French way. And then you have the Julienne way, a yeah. very thin, right. and then you have the French cut. That's why huh. you call the French fry. And what's the other way, Julienne? Julienne is very thin. I see. Like yeah, very, very fine. Right. They do yeah. also do the vegetables, Julienne. I see. 
And you and you dip your French fries in, in mayonnaise. mayonnaise. Yes. What's the deal? Uh, well, it's the way we do it. I mean, you guys do it with ketchup. We do it with mayonnaise. And actually, when I do the tours, I get people Americans converted from ketchup to mayonnaise. So you got to try it with mayonnaise before uh, you laugh at mayonnaise. it. Okay, exactly. this is very important. When in Belgium, <laughs> dunk your fries in mayonnaise like the locals exactly. do. Hey, we've got some uh, travelers on the line here. I'm talking with Ferdinando Mengi, a good friend of mine from Belgium, and uh, Gary in Michigan. Gary, thanks for your call. You're welcome. Uh, what are you thinking about in Belgium? Well, we were going to be taking a trip the first time um, to Belgium. We've been all around from Germany and even to Luxembourg and France and up to the Netherlands and finally decided to do that. And the one question I had, you kind of addressed a little bit. We have some French-Canadian friends in Windsor across the river who told me that Flemish is now the more dominant language and I should learn some Flemish. And I was hoping to get by on some of my elemental French and wondered when we go to Bruges and to Brussels, um, how best to introduce myself and what, what language should I try? The Belgians are known for a multitask language. I speak five languages. And, and if I say that's in Europe and, and to a Belgian, it's not a big deal. I mean, you know, you say that to an American, they go, wow. Wow, yeah. they just fell down. <laughs> you like, say that to a European you, and you yeah, go, Europeans, well, oh, well, well you're deal. educated, yeah. yeah. So I wouldn't worry too much about uh, speaking Flemish. But if you are good at languages, I would recommend you, you learn a few Flemish uh, words like uh, how are you, uh, what is that? Uh, how much cost this, and, and fun. They will love it. And Flemish, I must say, good luck there because it's a very, very difficult language. But That's what I heard. It's like <laughs> Dutch, and I, I didn't want to really have no. to invest a lot of time but wanted to know. Yeah, but it's kind of it's neat if you – it's always nice if you can address a person in their own country in their own language, even if it's two words and maybe it opens doors and they're going to be flabbergasted by wow and if cool. you're not if you're not savvy enough about that country i would imagine if you try to try to do the thoughtful thing and you speak french to a person from the flemish speaking part it's no better than speaking english no they a lot of flemish speak french and for sure english don't but, worry but, they, you. but if you want to impress them know oh. what they speak in that region oh, yeah. yeah i would say don't address them in french in the flemish part okay. and don't address the the the, the french speaking with flemish you know, we still have that kind of thing going. It's better if you go to the Flanders part where they speak Flemish, try a few words in Flemish, and if you lose it, if you can't handle it anymore, just go with English. Teach Gary a couple of, couple of phrases. Well, Flemish, for example, uh, hello is, uh, or good morning is Goede Morgen. Goede? Goede Morgen. Okay. You have morgen. to roll the Do that arch. again. Give me that robust. Goede Morgen. It's a very harsh language. Oh, okay. you know. Now, would that sound the same in the Netherlands? Yeah. And, exactly and the same? Now, let me do the, the Dutch. I can speak Dutch, too. So, in Belgium, we say Goede Morgen. Goede Morgen. In, in Dutch, is Goede Morgen. More mm. spit in it's the Netherlands. It's more spit and a more uh, kind of a guttural phlegm that you have to kind of come Flemish. up with. A Flemish. Flemish. No. Yeah. <laughs> One more time. Give me the good morning in uh, Belgium. Goede Morgen. In Goede Belgium. Morgen. And Goede Morgen in Dutch. It's very similar. It's pretty much like uh, the Americans and the English. I've got to clean off your mic. Yeah, I have to clean off the mic <laughs> now. Okay. It's going to fall spit right now. What would you say if you're having a beer and you want to say, here's to your health or something? Uh, 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 to store your health is Gesundheit. Like Gesundheit in uh, German. Gesundheit in German. So it is a, it's a Germanic language. It's pretty similar. So we say Gesundheit. Uh, there's a few words. Santé, which is a French version. We say Santé a lot, even in the Flemish part. Okay. Yeah. So you can do that. Santé, Gesundheit. Uh, uh, ching ching stuff like that. Gary, Zontate is the real world. Gary, you're on your way. <laughs> I appreciate it. Thank you. Have you're a great welcome. time. Will do. Thanks. Bye. And Barry is on the line uh, from Palm Bay, Florida. Barry, thanks for your call. Yes, Rick. Uh, uh, it's just a pleasure to talk to you. I'm one of your biggest fans. I'm retired U.S. military. I, I spent 24 years on active duty in the Air Force, and I spent three years at Shape Headquarters in Belgium near Moans. 
Damn. And I, I get back there every once in a very great while. My uh, oldest daughter was born there at the uh, hospital, and she has both mm. a Belgian birth certificate and an American birth certificate. Mm. But um, the uh, the thing I loved, but uh, your guest there stole a lot of my fire because um, I love French fries with mayonnaise, and that's where I, I learned how to do it. And you didn't mention the wonderful gaufres, the, the, the most delicious oh, uh, uh, waffles you've ever had with cream and, and uh, strawberries and everything else. Uh, one, one thing I wanted to ask about, uh, where I lived in, in, at Shape, I actually lived in Swanee, which is just up the road from Shape. And uh, there was a little town on the way to Chevrolet Air Base, which is about 5, 10 miles away from Shape, called Auth, A-U, I think it was A-T-H or A-U-T-H. Uh-huh. And they had a, a wonderful, wonderful uh, festival every year where they had uh, a parade with these uh, giants that would go in the ah, parades, which was so much of, fun. A Mardi Gras kind of festival. Right. Well, also uh, in Bash, not too far away from Shea. Yeah, with the oranges. Uh, yeah. With the Orange. oranges. Yeah, yeah, I used yeah. to go used to go to that every year. And, of course, the uh, the red oranges were all over the streets. And you just walked down the street, and it would just smell like you were uh, in the middle of an orange factory. Yeah, yeah. But I, what, what I want to know, do they still have that festival in Austin? Yes, they call the Gilles de Bench. Uh, Gilles de Bench has got this, this dressed up, look like a clown, but they have this really big heads with, with, with feathers on top. And they I've have seen those baskets. Of that, yeah. Gilles de Bench, very famous, of course. This is a tradition we've been going on for centuries, and they still have it every year. Don't is ask this me what Every time. spring, is it sort of tied in with Easter or something? It's around the spring, I think maybe February, March, it's around Carnival. The carnival, time. Yeah, sort of thing. Carnival Different thing. countries do the carnival. Yeah. That's the wild time before oh. Lent when you yeah, have to Lent, give up yeah. things, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So first you have your wild blowout, mm-hmm. then you got your Lent leading yeah, up to Easter. But that's going and every town in that region you also have the guys with the with the pig's bladders you know they blow up a pig a real pig bladder and they 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 throw that at people and stuff they fill it with water and it's, it's very funny that's another part but it's in that region they, so you have they, the they target Bench, tourists target probably, tourists it's, it's probably all, american military from shape <laughs> probably shape yeah hey um, barry what is shape you worked at shape I, I was a broadcaster for the AFRTS for AFN Shape for three years. But what is Shape? There. Forgive me for not knowing. Uh, Supreme Headquarters Allied Powers Europe. Wow. This is the military headquarters of NATO. The, the political uh, headquarters is up in Brussels, but the military headquarters with the Supreme Allied Commander Europe, who is a U.S. Uh, military uh, four-star general, is there at Shape. But it's 14 nations, and they've I got uh, members from all the different countries on the staff there. One, one other thing I wanted to mention quick was that... Um, uh, you were talking about the French and the Flemish portions of uh, Belgium. You didn't mention the German portion. Because yeah. while I was at Shape, right. we had a gentleman from a, a German-Belgian radio station, but they speak German, from the uh, western part of the country that came to give us a visit. Mm-hmm. And what I can remember doing is uh, on a weekend driving down the auto route towards uh, uh, Aachen. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Just, just north of Aachen, there's a, uh, a place where Belgium, Germany, and the Netherlands comes together. Yeah. And, and there's a monument, and you can walk around three different countries just exactly. by walking around that monument. In my language, we call it drie landen punt. It means three, landen means land, and punt means point. You can put your foot and you put your feet exactly in three points, and you're in three countries. Wow. That's where you all three come together. It, and it you're right, they speak, they speak German, a very small, because you know what, us Belgians, we didn't bring it up, because we had already had enough problems with our languages being the French. <laughs> you know, <laughs> let's, let's leave the Germans, because there's such a small uh, minority there. But, the but point is, you're right. This is where great civilizations yeah. come together in yeah. Brussels, and yeah. consequently, you've got uh, the capital of Europe now there. Of course. And you've got such a rich history and a great oh, cuisine. Yeah. Beautiful. Barry, thank you for your. Hey, Barry, you mentioned the waffles. Yeah. Yes, the gofs, the no, most, no, you, most delicious an, waffles okay. in the world. Gof, that's how you and I would pronounce it. Because we say gouffre. 
Gufra. Yeah. So yeah. that's a French, that would be a French. Uh, yeah, but I, yeah. see, I lived in the Walloni uh, portion. I was okay. <laughs> famous for the waffles. Fact, I, yes. I spelled Brussels B-R-U-X-E-L-L-E-S. It is confusing, isn't yeah, it? You, you have the it's different... It's a difficult uh, language, yeah. <laughs> All right. Hey, Barry, thank you so much for your call. My pleasure. Thank, thank you. Thank you. I'm talking with Ferdinando Mengi, a friend of mine who's a tour guide from Belgium. Hey, we have an email from Doug in New York City, and uh, Doug said, I've tasted and enjoyed some wonderful Trappist beers brewed in Belgium. <laughs> uh, he'd love to visit some of the abbeys that yes. produce these beers. Uh, do the monks allow tours? Oh, yeah. Most of the, the monasteries, and there's one that, that pops in my head when I was West Mulle, which is the most famous one. That's what the Trappist... Order. They're called the Order of the Trappist Monks. They've been brewing beer since the year 800. So what's this connection with monks and beer? Well, you know what? That uh, it, it actually originated in, in Burgundy, you know, when there was this dark Middle Ages when the monks were the most educated people. You know, and drinking water in those days was pretty dangerous. People already knew this. So the monks start studying all this stuff and start growing hops and actually creating, uh, making wine as well because wine was there for many, many centuries before them. But they found a, a better solution and actually maybe a better tasting for some people. So they started growing these hops and they started experimenting with this beer. Don't forget that beer was invented way in time like the Egyptians 5,000 years ago. But these monks started in, in, in Burgundy and, and moved out to Belgium and Germany and so on because the big hops fields are still in Germany. Okay. But they are the ones who actually dig into and start studying and, and creating this strong beer. And this beer. is a very strong beer. Oh, I mean, Trappist, it was considered have, food, wasn't it, in the Middle Ages? Well, we always said one beer is two, is two pieces of bread. Is that, two pieces of bread. Equivalent. Like, yeah. The nutritional equivalent. A, a bread in our language is boterham. So we say two glasses are two boterhams, which means it's like a sandwich with something. That's <laughs> well, how we say Two glasses is a yeah, sandwich. That's why we bunch love beer, because we're actually not only drinking, but we're also eating. Oh, that's, right? that's, okay. that's a good excuse probably. So right? if Doug wants to go to a yes. uh, monastery, that mm-hmm. what would you recommend? Uh, I recommend look? definitely there's three that I um, uh, like. This West Mala is where the Trappist order is. Then you have Orval which is also an order, and then you have Rochefort, where you not only have the beer, but also the cheese. Not the Roquefort, you know, but it's Rochefort. Ah. It's a great local cheese and a very local beer, and hmm. the monastery dates from the year 1000. Wow. It's like you go there, it's in the middle of nowhere. You drive in there, and you see it's just sitting there. It's a thousand-year-old monastery. Yeah. They give you a tour of yeah. the monastery. Yeah, and you drink beer, and the vat, oh. it's like a 5,000-gallon vat. Uh, Kim from Atlanta, Georgia, emailed us, and she said uh, she loves Bruges mm-hmm. and uh, all the chocolate, lace, good food, beer, gift shopping. Um, it's everything you could ever want to indulge in, she said, <laughs> indulge in. <laughs> I know there's many unique places to see there, and she'll continue to come back and explore more of this walkable town. Mm-hmm. Uh, we sometimes use this as a starter city, combining Paris for a quick five-day trip to Europe. Well, that's quite a, a nice uh, thing to say about the town of Bruges. Bruges is a small town today compared to Brussels, but in its day, it was a very important um, industrial city as uh, Which, Belgium was really leading the northern renaissance, isn't that right? Yes, it's true. It was the, also called the, the Venice of the High North. But Bruges, I mean, who doesn't know Bruges? I mean, of course, it's the lace, the chocolate, but boy, is there more than that. Walkable city, beautiful architecture. If you like that, that 16th century style architecture, it's just absolutely gorgeous. And it's just a small town. It's, got, it's kind of walled. It's got this uh, big... Uh, it's got a moat around it, doesn't a it? A moat around it. And it's still and then, got and the, the Beginnerhof, you know, the begins. And then the mounds of dirt to fortify the moat, and then windmills on top of yeah, the mounds. Yeah, yeah, uh, what what would, those, would those windmills been for... 
industry in yeah the, it was the actually it's like the, the lowlands in holland you know why we had windmills people you know not only to pump to out water pump up the water you know because mm-hmm. these were low lands right. which was very right. close to the north sea yep. and we had problems with water that's why you have canals called the rayen in bruges we still have those you know still uh, and one of my favorite things about bruges is that you see all it's got incredible sites great restaurants and yes. an abundance of b&bs yes. i got yes. way too many b&bs mm-hmm. uh, that are great to even list in my guidebook and my favorite thing when I'm working on my guidebooks is I see all the sites and that's always great but then I get on my bicycle and I go checking out B&Bs that people have recommended for me in the untouristy part of the town Mm -hmm. which has all the same cobbled charm Mm -hmm. it's just over in the far side of town still within the moat and you got these wonderful neighborhoods that are just like right out of a old fashioned Christmas card or something like that and not only in Bruges I mean if you go five not even five kilometers you can drive for example a bicycle and it's it's on that canal it goes to Damme Dama. That's a very popular bike oh, ride. Yeah. Dama. That's why the boats came in in the old days in yeah. when, when, when Bruges was a very important city. Realistically, mm-hmm. if, if people have four or five days for Belgium, and that's frankly as much as most Americans mm-hmm. will have, they'd want to spend two or three days in Bruges, I think, to relax mm-hmm. and enjoy that mm-hmm. town, and, and at least one day in Brussels. Mm-hmm. Let's say they have a couple of days for side tripping elsewhere in, in Belgium. Once yeah. you get away from Brussels and Bruges, you'll find no American tourists almost. I mean, it's, no. a, it's a real Those overlooked part. Mm-hmm. Everybody goes there. Where else should we consider? Well, there's a city that, um, that I like a lot is Antwerp. I mean, it's something that a lot of people overlook, but Antwerp, again, a very, very rich history, beautiful architecture, again, and also this wonderful restaurants, walkable city, Rubens House, Diamonds, and just name it, just to name a few, but wonderful too. And it's and only Rubens a, House is quite a fine museum these days. Oh gosh, it's beautiful. Yeah. If you like this, the, that kind of painting, the yeah. classical. What if the, you want the countryside and uh, just to yes. get, get out and enjoy nature? Don't forget that uh, famous World War, one of the worst worlds, wars we had. Um, and an hour from there, you have the uh, where the where the Germans were kind of held up by the Belgians and the Franks, and you can still see the drenches. Is that right? Dix, Dix it's only uh, forty-five minutes from from Bruges. So there are sites, uh, some yeah. of the trench warfare still sites there. from World War One. Yeah, and you know I have to go back to the really beginning of the show when you say are there still scars? I think yeah. these are the only scars. If it's just the the, the literally visual one you can see, the physical scars uh, are physical. the trenches and the lunar landscape that's been overgrown now. Yes, but it's overgrown, but I still found bombs up once in a while. Farmers, you know those those yeah. big mustard gas they day, and it was really ugly. But it was a very ugly war. But you can still see that today. Wow! And that's not too far from Bruges. Oh. And uh, if you're really into military history, you've got Waterloo, and of course Waterloo. That's yeah, outside of Brussels. Waterloo you know, to the but. The All right. de Waterloo. Well, the yeah. big news for Belgium these days is it is the capital of the European Union. Mm-hmm. Explain this to me, Faraday, because you've got uh, Strasbourg also, but is Brussels actually the capital of the EU? Brussels is where most of the decisions are made. Strasbourg is where the political thing decision. And you have uh, Luxembourg, I think, that's where that's right, yeah. the European Parliament have their daily powwow. So, but Brussels is really the most important uh, headquarters, I think, from ho- the and whole of EU. That's sort of changed the character of Brussels. These oh, what well, was it? Yeah, international. You've been to Brussels, I mean, you've yeah. seen that whole neighborhood they tore down. Oh, yeah. And they built these beautiful uh, new facilities for this EU. It cost billions, but uh, it's the, there. Are the Belgians proud to be the, oh, yeah. hosting this? Of course. And you're a little country. Is, yeah. um, is the European Union a good thing for the little countries of Europe? Yes. Why um, is that? I think that uh, getting us closer together. And I still, and I'm sure people say, but are you not going to lose your, your really identity? Identity? No, we don't. You cannot change a French. You cannot change a Belgian or a German. That's impossible. But, but it, it gets us close together. Like this, this, this euro 
that's one good step for us. This is a wonderful thing, and everybody likes it. To begin, the old people they had kind of a problem with it, but now everybody loves it. It's yeah. such an easy thing. So to everybody travel. has the same coins. Yeah, same coins. What a headache in the old days! You couldn't go two hours without Imagine having to the change money. Friends, we did tours, and it wow. was just a headache. And now you can go money. all the way to Spain yes. and use the same. And coins. And that's one step. It's not only because of the money, but people are so used to it. Um, I, I just traveled a little bit um, in, to to France the other uh, last month. And and people, it's just so easy to get around. And you still feel you're not in your country. You cross, hmm. you're in France. You still have the same food. You just pay with the same money. And that's, that's kind of neat. Now, how has life changed for uh, Belgians since the European Union? Is it better? Uh well, you know what? I just read the paper the other day in Belgium, and we're one of the richest countries in Europe right now. I said, mm-hmm. wow. Even mm-hmm. the, the most richest uh, 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 people. I mean, everybody has, like, I think, an inv- and, and saving, like, 20,000, 30,000 uh, euros. The times are good in Belgium. Yeah. But, of course, it's an expensive country. Don't forget, we pay extremely sure. high taxes, but uh, everything is taken care of. You don't have to worry for your future. So that's interesting. You Europeans pay much higher taxes than no. we do, and you don't talk with a disdain about taxes like no. most Americans do. Why is that? Well, you know, when I do my tours, people love when I talk about the contemporary uh, Europe. We always talk about the past 1,400 this. That's something very important. People are on the edge of the seats when they when when I start talking about this daily life. Mm-hmm. And taxes are high. I mean, but look what we get. You know, we got to do a doctor. It cost me two dollars. Mm-hmm. Is it a good my, doctor? Oh yeah, they're excellent. You know, and you, you can pick any specialist doctor you want. Mm-hmm. So I you've can got go national health care, and you like it. Oh yeah, I got. You know, you can get a retirement. You have a if you retire, it's for life. You don't have to necessarily worry for what you're going to have to retire. In this country, you have to worry. That's why you tax so low. If you don't save up, if you don't put money aside, right, and you trouble. live off your your uh, IRA, right. I don't know. <laughs> it could be so trouble. In, in Belgium, it's, it's, you don't Take have the stress. Not the stress. What if you're raising children and you're wondering about the cost of um, higher... Cost of also a totally different ballgame than the United States. Uh, I've been traveling long enough in this stage to know this. There's a lot of... There's, there's this people's university that costs nothing. Free. Is that right? Yeah. You can have your kid go to a quality university for free, in, for free Belgium. in Belgium. And they'll find a place. Oh, yes, yes. My goodness. There's a lot of Americans also studying there. Hey, we can learn a lot more. I've been talking to my good friend, Ferdinando Mengi. Thank you well. Uh, Did I say that right? Yeah, you said perfect. Thank you very very much. Uh, Merci bien. We'll see you again soon. Each year, Rick Steves Tour Guides take thousands of free-spirited travellers on escorted tours through Germany, Austria and Switzerland, one small group at a time. This year, we're offering more than 30 exciting itineraries. For a free tour catalogue and Rick Steves Tour Experience DVD, visit the tour section at ricksteves.com.